Hello and welcome to the Art Department Podcast. It's episode 54. And today, next to Emmanuel Shu here in, uh, no, Emmanuel is not in Singapore. I'm in Singapore. <laughs> Emmanuel is in San Francisco, also starts with an S. So um, at least I have that. Um, but we have two more guests you can see here up above in the video feed. Um, the person to the left is uh, Neil Spackman. He is the CEO and founder of Regenerative Resources. And he's also how he'd like to call himself a terraformer. Um, We'll get to that in a second. And then on the right here, you have uh, Seifel Haag. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, he's a concept designer, artist, um, uh, director, and he most recently worked heavily on the Avatar sequels um, alongside James Cameron. Um, and of course, many, many more things. So in this discussion, we're going to talk, um, of course, a little bit about why Neil is here, why Seifel is here. Um, but we're also going to talk about um, something very interesting that I think um, touched us all maybe in the last year or so, uh, or during COVID, I think even more so. And that's um, however you want to call it, the artist's dilemma, the artist's struggle to find meaning in their work, to, to find meaning for themselves, for others, um, and not only do the work we're tasked to do, not only the client work that we as commercial artists are very used to doing, but again, finding meaning beyond that. And um, I don't know if there's a good segue into that. Maybe um, we'll start with, like we always do, with some personal stories. And I think Emmanuel has something to contribute to that and maybe Seifel as well. Um, but I want to maybe throw it to our first guest for to Seifel, maybe to kind of start things off a little bit, because he's, he's kind of the catalyst between, I think, this collaboration that we're going to talk about. So... <clears throat> well, thanks for the introduction, uh, Jan. I don't know how to follow up that sort of... <laughs> such, epic, uh, right? Such an epic introduction. That's the only thing um, you need, yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, the, the, the dilemma we all had during, I guess, the global pandemic, right? We're all stuck at home. Um, not only fortunate enough to have a job and work through the pandemic, but also look at our own families, at our own lives, look out the window and, and ponder what the hell is the meaning of it all. Um, I think, well, I can't get into details about it, but Jan and I worked on a, on a project together for quite some time where uh, I kind of looked for that meaning. Um, it was one of the hardest projects uh, mm. we, I think, did together and uh, <laughs> didn't really find it. Uh, left that gig and uh, found myself talking to a terraformer as to how to interject some form of meaning into into what comes out of our fingertips, for lack of a better word. Uh, and uh, I'm still searching. Can't say that I found it, but I can say that I definitely feel like I'm working towards it. Wow, that's 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 we're going very deep here very quickly. I think. I mean, um, but like. Um, <laughs> I think we we like, I think we we mentioned the the pandemic a few times, but um, I think maybe maybe the pandemic though was not really the um, the the cause of of this like thinking, but it was more um, yeah again like a, an accelerator to 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 a certain degree. I mean, I'm sure you've been thinking about this kind of stuff. Uh, long before but i don't know do you feel like i mean we, we we talked about that project just now and that's actually also where where neil came into the picture um 
but I don't know. Was there was there like a, a time before that where you felt like I don't know uh, this is not this can't be all like that I'm doing like the 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 <laughs> the, the projects the client projects and everything I'm doing can't be everything. I don't know. Well, uh, I mean. I don't know about you guys, but I don't even know how the hell I even got here. That being my career, right? It's not like I I, I plan to to work for somebody like James Cameron. Um, it's not it's not like I plan to work in the film industry. Uh, none of this I I call all, all of this serendipity. Right? It, it just it just happened to occur, and and I'm very grateful that it did. Um, I didn't really start out uh, wanting to be a concept artist. I think in the beginning when I was really young. It, it was really about expressing emotions, expressing feelings that I had deep inside. Uh, it happened to be on a canvas. It happened to be on Photoshop. It happened to be a movie that I was trying to make. But the intention was never to enter an industry or to become a concept artist or to design a film like Avatar, right? That was never the fulcrum of, of, of those decisions. Um, before before becoming an adult, before having to earn a living, I think I just enjoyed exploring myself through the mm -hmm. medium, right? It was almost like looking into a mirror, looking at myself, um, judging myself, really, based on the artwork that I would create. And I think when we made that switch over to the commercial side, where we started to make a living doing the very thing that we used to do for ourselves, it began to erode at maybe the sole purpose. I don't know what to call it. And I don't mean erode in a negative way either. I think it I think it incentivized doing good concept art, doing great work for films, but it didn't incentivize digging deeper into my own identity. Yeah. No. What what are you working on these days? I mean, I know Avatar. Are you you're done with that? So you're doing. Are you doing projects like in search of this? That you know what you're looking for. Or are you are or are you back to like big commercial projects? And what are you up to these days? I used to search for it in work. I used to search for it in in in, in professional work. Right. Like I'll get excited if I found a project that uh, was aligned with maybe something I was interested in, uh, maybe aligned with maybe a, a philosophical book that I had been reading at the time. But it's so rare to find projects like Avatar, guys. Like, I mean, you, I know you guys know this, right? It's, it's just working on a movie isn't necessarily enough for me as an artist. It, it, it used to be what I thought would be enough until I got there. And then the clouds just a great opportunity but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do at the time. I think nowadays what I do is I, I, I don't necessarily search anymore. I don't, I don't hope for a job that's going to give me some form of passion. I, I, I have distinctly drawn a line between work that feeds my mouth and work that feeds my soul, for lack of a better word. And so nowadays I, I find myself in different industries you know i've been doing architecture for quite some time had no idea that that was a thing it's a thing now 
I found myself working for aerospace. Didn't know that was a thing. It's a thing now. Um, again, none of this was planned. It's all serendipity. I chuck it up to uh, what some of us call the universe. Some people call it God. Some people call um, it luck. Uh, I, I, I have the sign that feeds my mouth, and that's any job that can pay the bills. And when I have that okay, when I have that going about, then I can focus on the shit that actually matters, the stuff that I'm really interested in. So I'm always working pretty much daily on a personal project, probably because I just want to be able to be happy day by day. Right? It keeps me alive, for lack of a better word. It keeps me feeling rejuvenated. What what's the shit that matters to you? <laughs> like, this- I'm not going to let you go on this because, I mean, for me, there's a lot of, you know, I'm sure for Jan, for Neil, for me, we all have different things that matters. But, you know, since you're on the subject, and I'd love to see what you have to say, Neil, about it. What matters to you, Seifel? Mm, I feel like this turned into a therapy <laughs> That's session. good. It always does, man. Have you not watched our podcast episodes? <laughs> I have, and I've also gone to therapy. So I, 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 I you know, I, I pondered this question of what matters. And I, and I think it's a very personal and a very, a very selfish question. And, and not in a bad way. For me personally, you know, I look out my window and I and I see a world that the dichotomy is quite heartbreaking. You know, one of my first jobs I ever got right out of college was at a studio called Section Studios in downtown LA. And I remember looking out of my office window and I would see just this gigantic homeless population. And then I'd look at my monitor and I was painting an incredible sci-fi cityscape. And I my brain could not could not ignore one over the other. And, you know, I was here building a fantasy sort of video game at the time, but every time I'd go out during lunch, I would see the, quite the opposite of that fantasy. And so I think what matters to me today is, is doing art that begins to peel away at those layers of those things that internally really bother me, bother me about society, bother me about myself, Right. And, and I really mean bother me like they, they really bug me. And, and it's it's not that the art is the solution, but the art tends to become a dialogue that I have with myself when it's personal work. And so what matters to me is that I'm always pursuing that internal dialogue with that personal work. Otherwise, the art tends to feel like a waste of my time. So like something like what's behind you, like, uh, you know, it could be any form, right? In canvas, uh, it it just depends on how you feel. And that at that moment is what you do, right? I mean, some of it digital, some of it analog. There's no real rules, right? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I used to think there were, right? I I think what happened in the beginning is when I got into concept art, uh, I, I started to learn Photoshop a lot. I also come from a background of, of, of filmmaking, and so I would pick up cameras, learn lenses, and, and, and at first it was tinkering with the tools, and it was really about, you know, what's the capability of the tool, and how does it empower me? And it was a very ego-driven thing of like, well, now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a photographer, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 
director, I'm a, I'm a concept artist. And it was very much about projecting what I could do with those tools. But once you got used to those tools, it didn't fucking matter. They're just outlets. They're different opportunities to, to have these conversations. Um, what really got interesting is when other people began to feel what it was I was feeling when I was doing that art. So if it was a painting and, and, and a friend or a family member was looking at that painting and, and without any uh, rehearsal dialogue before about that piece, when they start to regurgitate words that I would use to describe the very thing I was doing and they were just looking at brushstrokes and color, that was fucking magic. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. So there's something that, that really there. is. Yeah. There's something there. I, I don't know what to call it. I don't have words for it. And that's probably why I, I, I mess with so many different tools because there's no words for it for me. Yeah, no, that's 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 awesome. Neo, do you have any thoughts on on that? <laughs> well, we're what matters from, to you? <laughs> um, I was going to ask a follow up question before we get to me, and that was sure. Why, given for for you that are artists, given that you had a passion for it, and then it became how you fed your bills, did that dilute the passion? Like, why why was it meaningless? Is it because it's someone else's vision that you're portraying? Is it because it is it that dichotomy of? I, I'm interested in exploring that more. Who, who wants to take that? <laughs> I think you should take it, Jan. You've been yeah, yeah, listening yeah. the whole um, time. I mean, it's a fascinating thing. And it's, it's, it's interesting how, how um, we all come at, come at it from, uh, from different angles and arrive maybe at different um, uh, destinations. But, but we kind of all meet here at this time um, to talk about this. I mean, it's, it's interesting, like... Um, Seifel mentioned that like he used to do art as 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 just a personal way of expression um which i actually never did um so m for me it's like a bit different i i chose i mean i i did i can't say i did art as a teenager or as a as a as a young kid i, I like to draw but it was just not more than that. I didn't dive any deeper into it. And then um, by the time it was, I was supposed to determine my future and go to university, I, I chose the academic path. Um, not to say there's no creativity there, but it's just a very different, very different way. And then I kind of put the art side aside. Um, I worked as a, like a web designer making websites uh, on the side, but for me, that was that was always very clearly about um, I don't know doing a job, and then I, I had that passion for movies, uh, whatever you want to call that, and then that kind of brought me back into like brought me to to concept art, but I I learned concept art with the very clear focus on working on on doing somebody else's work, Career. Yeah. and. Um, so I didn't come from that like, okay, I like this is like turning my hobby into my job kind of thing. Um, it was more like I'm learning this f for the job and then I'm doing that job and that's it. And of course, I, I, I didn't anticipate that, that um, we would all be here um, 10, 15 years ago um, 
but I think we do feel all very similar because I mean, we're doing creative work and, and no matter how much of a distinction you want to put between, I don't know what you want to call it, design and art, like some people do, or like personal and client work, however you want to say that. Um, but I, um, you put something of yourself in there, whatever the creative endeavor is, whether you, whether you transform the planet like you do, whether uh, you paint, whether you draw, make music, um, or dance, or, or I, I don't know, whatever it is, right? You put something of yourself in there. And at some point, if you really, I think it's for everybody the same for, at some point doing somebody, ex executing somebody else's vision uh, and, and just just kind of ignoring that that part of like, like, oh, I, I would have done it differently. Like, like, I think you're, I mean, it's not about right or wrong, but it's like, oh, I would have used red instead of blue. I would have made this bigger or smaller, right? At some point, um, you resign yourself to, to just give up all creative control and you're just like uh, being micromanaged and you're like, okay, like I'm just gonna like switch my brain off for, for, for like, for the lack of a better word. And, and you just execute whatever somebody else wants to to wants wants to have you do um and then of course like we kind of we kind of uh or at least i hold myself to like uh, the, the last kind of stick of like um that makes me join any project is like if i get to work with good people and then i think the last time we team like when mm. when Seifel brought me onto that project it was like hey i mean i really love working with Seifel, so i'm that's why i'm gonna do it not like necessarily because like oh my gosh this is the fulfillment of my dreams um but even that even i mean even working even that that, that thing of like working with somebody at some point all, that also doesn't hold true true anymore um and that has nothing to do with with Seifel or anybody else right it's just you you have to have that connection at least to some degree with with the art with the with the creative I don't know the creativity in the air or whatever you need to find a more direct connection between between that what you want to say what you want to do otherwise you i don't know you you enter some very very dark spaces and i mean i think that maybe for some people that like where the balance is between like okay i need to do this to feed my family and and i i need to do this just for my uh for my own uh, uh like sanity um i think where that balance lies is everybody's own kind of um like they have to make that they have to figure that out for themselves some people like to do the bare minimum for the client like the absolute bare. like um they say like oh i'm gonna work i don't know one day a, a, a month for client work and i can pay all my bills and then the rest of the time i'm just gonna do whatever for other people, it's mm. it's the opposite, and and sometimes it's based on economic necessity, and sometimes it's just personal choice, because they like to have a lavish lifestyle, right? And they have five cars and and God knows what, right? So and and that's fine, that's fine. Everybody can do it their own way, but I think to acknowledge that the need for 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 that connection between the art you do and and who you are and and what you want to say. Um, is there regardless I think that's I mean I haven't really met anybody who any artist anybody who 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 doesn't like who doesn't feel that way especially when you 
especially once you got all the 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 youthful kind of energy out of the sucked out of you by the industry that we work in um you you arrive at that so like i don't know past like 35 or 40 or whatever that's pretty much all that artists talk about i feel or at least all the ones i've talked to i don't know sorry that was a bit long-winded but i don't know it does i don't know what emmanuel and Seifel have to say to that <laughs> Well, I, I mean, know what I, you're going to say, but like the, the audience I, needs I to mean, hear I, it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, personally, uh, you know, I, I think um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm about making personal art. Uh, I've basically completely switched to the to doing that because I think I've had enough of uh, uh, not just working with, you know, on projects that are, you know, people's visions, because, you know, obviously that sometimes if you are a person that has vision or has something to say or something to tell, it is, it gets old when you keep telling someone else's story. Uh, and a lot of time it's just very limiting, I think, um, personally and, you know, working with those good people, that's also difficult to find. Uh, and I think for me, uh, I mean, for this last year, the 2021, I basically made it a point to basically stop working uh, and find what I wanted to say uh, in whatever medium, whatever it is, but mainly being able to say something that's personal to me uh, and uh, hopefully something that touches other people as well. But first, it has to be something that, you know, I can I can do without pulling any punches like I, I, I can say what I want to say, irregardless of whether the public likes it or not. Um, and when I, so I, you know, when I did that short, I was like, okay, I, I think I did that. But in the process, I also worked with people to get it made. And I really loved working with people I enjoyed working with. And that was so important. Um, it was such a contrast to all the film jobs. Like, you know, like in a year we could, I, I easily could work on like four, four or six films and you know out of those four or six films most of the time it's it's just literally you just have to do what was told to you uh and sometimes they're not really fun people uh sometimes they're okay and it's very rare that you find a project i mean in my 20-year career i can tell you of two projects that were really good out of that 20 years so i i'm just making a go at it basically for myself to to do what, what I can to uh, get the stuff that I have inside of my head uh, out, you know, and, and hopefully uh, somebody likes to see it. And if not, uh, you know, at least I was able to express it. So for me, it's very important at this stage of my life. But I think it depends on what stage of your life you are at, at and what kind of person you are. How about you, Cycle? I think Avatar ruined it all for me. Like, wow. <laughs> not every director is James Cameron. Oh, you mean the experience was too good? You mean the bar has been set so high that you're never going to it's never going to get met again, is that what you're saying? I don't I don't want to put the whole Avatar production on a on a pedestal, but man, was that, that fucking production amazing. You I had full access to the script. I could read any line of the script, which meant 
that we could have a conversation about the emotions that had to be evoked in the scene, meaning we were really talking about story. And that romantic shit, I can swim in that all fucking day. But most of the film jobs, they're just stupid and derivative. They're like, oh, give me another sci-fi ship. Give me another, you know, greebled fucking background because this has got a trend in an international market. And it's so shallow. Shit is so shallow today. Oh, Everything yeah. is so goddamn derivative. And I think it's because we're all afraid to make art that is unique and ugly and weird. There, people kind of have this hmm. feeling of, of, of paranoia when it comes to mutations in the artistic process, right? Uh, even on, on film productions that I've been on, I'm not going to name them. I'm not going to name the directors because not, it's not about them. It's really the way that the whole industry is set up. There's not much room for creativity. You know, unless you're James Cameron and you, you've got uh, an entire history of creating exactly what it is you want to do and, 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 and pushing, like, for lack of a better word, creative boundaries... Uh, not many studios give creative teams a lot of freedom. And especially now that it's a huge business model, right? Because Marvel has proven time and time again, you can you can skin the cat in many ways and people will still watch it. And and so everyone's just trying to do the same thing. And I don't have an interest in doing that. And it's a very, very personal decision of mine. It's, you know, it kind of eats away at me. Like, it's just like, oh, another stupid sci-fi fucking city. <laughs> oh, God. Jan and I have this yeah. talk all the time, I mean, don't it's, we? It's funny you mentioned fear, <laughs> and I think that's one of the main driving forces in, in this in this day and age where everything run, like, everything is measured by how, like, by likes, right? It's, it's the fear of bearing your soul and with the possibility of being rejected. That's why... Um, I feel like this uh, this kind of culture has has come from the top down to parade like like even personal projects like I I look at so much like I love it when 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 artists uh, do their own IPs or you want whatever you want to call it in whatever form as a as a comic book as as a short film as whatever else um, but when when they say that, oh my God, I spent the last three years on this project, and then you see it, and it's like you said, it, like like you just mentioned, it's it's a derivative again, and you're like, I mean, I'm like, okay, this is really like you really you spent three years on that. Um, that's pretty terrible. Not from a not from a technical point of view, but like if if you really connect with yourself and all that comes out of that is guns and spaceships that look exactly the same that you do during your day job then i mean okay then either that's fine oh it, it is fine of course it's fine right but that means like okay i guess you i guess you don't have really anything to say or i'm not interested in what you have to say anymore i don't know um but that's just me <laughs> I mean, I can only, I guess the, the analogy I would have is, is there's a certain amount of energy that I can feel when I'm mm. doing something I'm passionate about. Uh, if a metaphor is riding the horse, the passion is the horse, and I'm along for the ride. And where it can take me is, is always exhilarating. Mm. It's not always great. 
most of the time it looks like shit. But the journey is so much more interesting when you have passion behind it versus, you know, doing something purely for economic reasons, right? Like we're talking about. And I, and I think in professional work, I, 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 I try to find that passion in projects. Uh, I, I always request on any film that I'm contacted for to read the script. And when they say no, which they say 90% of the time, I don't take the job. And it really screws up my financial mm. life because that means I'm not going to get a paycheck this month. But I've just made these boundaries uh, for myself where I will only take on a gig if I can find the passion in it, if I can find something that I can really bite into and really, really discover things with, whether that's an amazing team, an amazing sort of script or story. If there's something there that I can hold on to and hang on to for dear life for the ride, it just results in interesting work. The outcome is always very unpredictable. And I think that's something that I desperately need in order to do something. Otherwise, I, I right. pretty much lose I interest. I think that's a perfect segue to kind of bring Neil into the picture and say like, okay, what, what does Neil have that made you so interested? And, well, and what am I doing here with a, with a room full of artists? Um, that's so I'll, I'll spend three minutes talking about myself. Um, I decided 15 years ago that I was going to work in uh, sustainability and food systems and sustainability in the built environment. That was the passion that I discovered in my, it, it happened over time, but it was really in my mid twenties when I said, no, I'm going to find a way to make this my career. Um, so that was about 14 years ago, about 12, 11, 12 years ago, I was invited to be a co-founder of a project called the Albeda Project, where I was um, brought on by a Saudi princess to go and live with tribes of settled nomads in the Saudi desert and work with them to um, reverse about a century's worth of desertification and reestablish indigenous land management systems in partnership with these camel herding Bedouin. Uh, and I was, I was an Arab, I am an Arabic speaker. I was very familiar with the culture and that was my chance to, um, to get into the kind of work that I, that I wanted to dedicate myself to. So I quit the office job I had at the time. I moved to the desert about an hour drive south of Mecca in uh, the Western Arabian Peninsula. And I spent eight years um, with these tribes of Bedouin, uh, essentially prototyping and designing systems to bring ecology back to the land and to um, find a way to make that land productive so that people could make a living on it again. And that that has connections to all sorts of things. It was extremely multivariate, right? It was applied ecology, it was agroforestry, it was hydrology, it was international development, it was, uh, you know, cultural, integrating myself into a foreign culture and establishing myself as a leader, as a foreign entity. Um, and we did it. You know, we, we, we had a prototype site that is a geographic fractal of the rest of the region. 
And um, we, as we worked, we watched life come back to this land, um, starting with water and then insects and then birds and lizards, uh, the mycelial web, trees and forbs and grasses, honeybees, uh, small mammals. And, and over the course of the year, over the course of the years on that project, we watched life come back to this land because of the work we were doing. Um, that was a nonprofit project, and uh, the last three or four years of my engagement there, I was just racking my brains, thinking this kind of stuff can solve so many problems, whether it's related to climate or biodiversity and habitat loss or livelihood creation and poverty or food and water security. And I, I spent years thinking, how do we turn this into something that is profitable so that it is self-sustaining because we knew it was ecologically sustainable we knew it was culturally um, resonant let's say and we knew that it, it because it was based on a geographic fractal we knew that it could scale um, but it was as a nonprofit project we were constantly um, fundraising and asking for funds and doing this off of donations and so I, when I left that project, when my role was done, um, and, and we always knew that my role was going to end at some point. The system would be established. It would succeed or fail, right? But either way, once it failed or succeeded, my role would be over. And so I went to business school for a year to incubate the company that uh, I started immediately after, which is called Regenerative Resources. And what we do is we transform degraded land into either restored ecosystems or into functioning agroecologies. And we're doing it primarily with seawater on coastal lands. And um, so that's that's the world I live in. I'm, I'm in the regenerative movement. I think a lot about biodiversity and climate and soil and water and food and livelihoods and poverty. And it's um, it's exactly, I had this conversation with Seifel recently, but 15 years ago when I was like, what do I really want to do with my life? What I'm doing now is exactly what I would have imagined. It, it, it is exactly what I hoped to be doing. Um, and I my work is deeply meaningful to me because I have followed my passion and found a way to, to make a living out of it. Um, but also because it, I feel like I'm working on things that are deeply important, not just to me, but to um, to the communities that we partner with. Um, and I, I think the stories that we tell have a lot of impact on people outside of the world that we live in. Um, the video I made about our project in Saudi Arabia which is which is extremely amateur. Like I, I, I'm sure you guys watch this video and you're like, oh, the lighting's all wrong, the the audio is terrible, you know. It's it's a very amateur video, uh, because I made it and I'm a, I'm an amateur video maker. But the story is such that, um, you know, we've got eight hundred thousand views on it on YouTube, with no mark. It's it's just YouTube's algorithm and word of mouth that this is spreading. And 
I've never seen more positive comments on a YouTube video than on my video. It, it's just a massive flood of people saying, this resonates with me really, really hard. This, this is something that I didn't know was possible and that is giving me hope or giving me inspiration. And of course, I find that extremely validating and I find that um, it, it gives me a lot of sense of purpose and meaning as well. So there's there's some internal validation for me on what I'm doing and a lot of external as well. And it's it's uh, I love it. I love what I do. How, how did you get mixed up with these artists? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I got an email last summer saying from the office of Mr. Seifel Huck <laughs> uh, and uh, asking if I'd be willing to t take a meeting. And I said, sure, what, what are we talking about? And they're like, well, you have to sign an NDA first. So I signed an NDA and, and Seifel and I had a phone call and, and he was asking for my advice on, on a project that he was working on. And really, Seifel, I think you should tell this story. I think it's safer <laughs> if you tell it. <sighs> how, how did you get mixed up with me? For anyone that's listening that uh, likes the film Dune, Neil is the guy that can make a desert green again. And he could do it in a way where he enables the planet to take care of herself and people can get the fuck out of the way. Uh, I saw Neil's video on YouTube. It was an incredible, desolate marshlands as a before picture. And the after picture was this heavenly image of grass romantically moving in the wind with trees everywhere in sight and i had to know who the fuck is this guy and so i emailed him i'm like how did you do this shit and how can we work together and for me on that particular project the goal was trying to visualize a future that really looked more hopeful than every damn film I've worked on. And every story, every film that depicts a future is very dystopian. You know, it's, 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 it's a very dry and arid place with a lot of guns, uh, a, lot, a lot like Mad Max, right? And I got just tired of doing work that just keeps looking like this shit because I don't believe in this narrative that the future is going to look like that. Really, there's a lot of anger behind that. You know, it's like we, we, we kind of gave up on ourselves. Like we can't, we can't sustain our own lives. And, and, and it's, it's a very personal sort of anger too because I think I, I began to believe that narrative during COVID even for my own life, right? Like there's no hope out there. And here was this scientist in the middle of a desert, just humbly moving a ton of rocks, re-diverting rain and flood water, and not planting seeds for this massive amount of vegetation that just spread like wildfire. And there's no attention going to him. And so I decided, fuck it. I'm going to roid this guy up and try to get his research as much... <laughs> 
as much attention as I can with the art that we can make. Because the art we tend to make draws inspiration and draws crowds, right? I mean, it's, it's why we work in the film industry, right? You know, the, the trailers people watch, they're, 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 they're an amazing visual feast. And so how could I create a visual feast to fund the science was the question. Um, so, yeah, I reached out to Neil with hopes of, of starting that sort of collaboration. And then we, so that's, that was the start. Um, and I think the, what we came to is a, what if we could use art, not just to imagine a better future, but to catalyze it? What would, what would that look like? Right. Because if we're if we're imagining a, a better future, it's it's going to come from the storytellers and the entrepreneurs. Right. And 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 then everybody else catches up to it. Right. But if and it's it's so funny, like we look at um, Star Trek or Minority Report, all these things that were imagined have become real in, in some, like the tools that were imagined 50 years ago are now tools that we use all the time. Now our cell phone is a, this is something that they imagined in Star Trek, right? The, the tricorder or whatever it was. And, and now it's a real thing. And so there's this real um, idea that reality is stranger than fiction, but that imagining the future can be catalytic for the future that we build. And what if we used art as a way to do that. And so I have I have projects that we have launched in Namibia, Spain, Ghana, and Mexico, where we are um, restoring ecosystems in a way that it's creating livelihoods for local communities. And in these projects, we are going to grow about 100 million mangroves. I don't know if we have time to get into why mangroves are so awesome. Um, they have been called the most important tree on the planet by other scientists. I have never said that because I'm not. I don't think there is a more important tree, or a less important tree per se. But the, in terms of carbon drawdown, mangroves are five to ten times faster and more dense in terms of carbon sequestration than tropical and temperate forests. So when it comes to climate change, they're a powerhouse. And the other thing they are is they're the roots of the ocean. Um, I've seen numbers as high as, uh, this was a, a statistic I saw in Manga Bay, um, that two thirds of all ocean species at some point in their life cycle depend on mangroves. So the, and, and they're known as the roots of the ocean because coral reef fish, commercial fish, they, they all spawn, they lay their eggs in, the, in these forests that are growing in the ocean. Um, and we've lost 30% of them since the 1970s, globally. And so we are, uh, I have co-founders who are pioneers of mangrove agroforestry who have developed systems to transform degraded coastal landscapes into mangrove forests and mangrove agroforestry systems um, by bringing seawater onto the landscape and using it to produce food, using it to produce fuel, using it to produce fiber, 
um, and all sorts of other things. And so we in these we have these projects. We've been working on them for the last three years, getting permits, getting access to land, building local teams, um, building out local business plans and financial models that are relevant to each project. And now we have launched them and we have to finance them. And so when I talked with Seifel about where we were in this process, you know, and that our need is prim our need right now is primarily for funding. You know, we came to this idea of an NFT project, and Seifel recruited Jan, and also Filippo, who's not worth who's not with us on on the podcast, but who's um, he's been really lovely to work with, and he's an amazing artist. And we are doing a series of NFTs and other Web3 products with the hopes of raising enough to grow 100 million mangroves in the project that we have in the projects that we have now. So that's that's the project we have. We launched it this week. Um, we have posters for these short films that Jan and Seifel and Filippo are making. Um, just like when you walk into a movie theater and you see posters for films that are coming out in six months or a year. That's what these posters are. We've got the first ones up for auction on OpenSea. And uh, that's, you know, it's um, ambitious. I think the, the objective is to shoot for the stars and hit the moon. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But it's, it's an adventure, I think. I think it's somewhat new for all of us. We're all learning. And um, But I'd, I'd like to hear Jan and Saifel talk about how this has been different because they're they're mm. gifting this art they're being very generous with it but um you're not getting paid i don't have any money to pay you in the first place right i'm trying to raise money um so i'm really curious to hear what this experience has been like mm. for you jan um and for you sifel and has it has it been so far you know, we're not to the end of it, but what's the process been like compared with this, this dilemma that we just spent a half hour talking about? You, you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Okay. I mean, um, it was, it's, um, it was interesting. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been witness to this, to the, to the formation of, of of this um a bit more than probably most people but um i, I remember the time when when Seifel said like oh i brought this guy in and he's gonna he's gonna tell us how to how to give meaning to this project that we're both on and and i'm like oh yeah sure and then he just like he just vaguely kept talking about him and then little did we know it would it would turn into this right um but I mean, even even back then, Seifel gave me a lot of freedom on on whatever uh, I was doing, even on the client job. Um, and he was he, he he said he's gonna he's gonna well f explain to the client that that this is what we're doing, and he's not gonna take any any shit from them, so to speak. But so I was happy to kind of follow follow Seifel in even in this new endeavor, be, even even though it was like, well, like there was no brief, there was no like. It was just like, I don't know, do whatever the hell you like. And I was like, wow, that's, that's very different and also very scary because we're, we're kind of used to like, okay, here's a brief, here's a description, and this is what you need to do. And then I, I need it tomorrow, by the way. Um, and you're like, yeah, give me sketches and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, from client jobs. And this is really, 
uh, I think that the first instruction I got from 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 Seifel was like just, just don't do anything. I don't want to see anything. Like just just uh, sit under a tree and think about it. I was like, okay. I mean that 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 surely sounds like a way better uh, 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 first day or week or whatever than than on any job I ever had. Um, so I was I was really uh, that was really different, right? Um, so basically, what I did instead of like sitting down after maybe half an hour of research and cranking out like ten sketches for the first day, I was just. I guess just just thinking and and going out and and going for a run and just looking around me and uh, and I don't know looking again and really trying to get like I think as 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 concept artists as as commercial artists you you kind of go after the first best idea that pops into your head because you you need to produce something and and even though we know that it would yield better results if you just let all those this first wave kind of sink in and kind of go its course like uh, go its course and then uh, think about it a bit more the next day um even though we know that this would yield better results we we can't afford to do that it's just not possible everything needs to be done tomorrow or better even yesterday and and you just need to go with the first best thing that that pops into your head and and it was a weird experience to honestly to kind of let this all wash over you uh, and instead of just putting pen to paper and sketching all these things out that you have in your head you kind of like you you kind of put it aside and you you think about it again and 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 um and and you 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 try to get in the habit of doing that and just to see what happens so for me it was it was more like a discovery process of um trying trying to connect with the with i don't know with with a different part of my creativity i think and um all these urges of oh. like oh i need to make it bigger and better and like oh cool if i do this and then um I think we all, all of us artists, we have patterns we fall in. It's like, okay, once I have a sketch, I know the, exactly the steps I need to take this to um, something that looks good enough to show to a client, right? And, we, it, and for the most part, it's autopilot um, because it needs to get done. Um, and even to kind of break those habits of like, like oh, I think I've 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 done enough today. Like this is as good as it gets right now. I think I need to I need to take a step away from it and and come back to it tomorrow, and and being able to to afford that kind of time, I think is 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 quite a luxury, right? I mean, of course, we have other projects that pay the bills and everything, like Seifel said, right? But letting this letting this unfold this project unfold in a more natural way, I think has has been very rewarding yeah I, I don't know i honestly don't know if it's going to be the best thing that i've ever made but i think in terms of how how i feel about it it's definitely a lot closer to how i'd like to work than than the other stuff i don't know what, what about you Seifel? man this should have been of course it's the hardest thing <laughs> You know, I, I tend to get I tend to get my ideas when I'm sitting on the toilet or when I'm taking a shower 
or when I'm at the gym or when I'm swimming, they never come to me at my desk. Every time I try to force an idea while I'm sitting at the desk, it's fucking utter shit, dude. It, uh, you know, kind of going back to this concept of fear and, and social media and, and client expectations. Uh, I, I think these are boxes and shapes and volumes that we impose upon our ideas, right? Uh, whether that's a short film you're making or a painting, um, there's these uh, boundaries that kind of manifest before the idea can even find its way into fruition, right? And, and, you, and like you said, with that process, you kind of fill that volume and yeah, there's your shitty sci-fi city again, right? And this particular project, is it's much more aligned with how I worked uh, when I was young. Uh, when 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 money didn't exist, right? When when I was just doing art because I absolutely love doing it. Um, this process has been extremely excruciating, uh, quite depressing at times. Um, I found myself taking the advice I gave you, Jan, <laughs> going on walks, uh, reading a lot of poetry. Um, thinking about the meaning of life, thinking about the meaning of my own life, thinking about uh, blockchain technology, <laughs> and and wondering what the fuck was I gonna make? Um, and was it excruciating and hard because there was no assignment, so to speak? What? Because you both, like, Jan, you nodded your head when Cypher yeah. was like, this has been so hard. Like, it's been... And so, as a non-artist, explain that to me. What's, what makes this so hard to you as an artist? Because, I, I mean, we did have a prompt. You didn't get a brief. You got a paragraph that said, imagine that people are good for Earth. Imagine that we're not a virus that is inherently destructive and imagine us as a keystone species, right? That was, that was it, right? No, like I want it to look like, like there was no input whatsoever, but that is the narrative that we want to help push. And so I'm really curious to hear what's, what made this so difficult? I think, I think for me specifically, um, I'm going to take this quote from a dear friend of mine, um, so when I was younger in college, I, I was blessed with the opportunity to work with Sid Mead. He kind of mentored me for, uh, for some time when I was developing as a student. And he, he told me that when we're, when we're painting and drawing uh, the future or envisioning a post-apocalyptic dystopian view of that future, that that shit was easy. That is easy to complain. It's easy to be negative. It's 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 uh, kind of automatic. And when it came to this project, it was the opposite. It was to try to be hopeful, to try to be inspirational, to try to have a vein or a silver lining within the within the actual art, and to dig for that, to find that, to try to, to try to manifest an image from that, I think is to go against my code, to go against every 
part of my upbringing because so much of the world I live in doesn't say that, right? I mean, unless you're watching Sesame Street, right, which is <laughs> being very positive and touting something that is uh, that is inspirational. As an adult, it, it's it's quite rare to find inspiration uh, that is aligned with what we're trying to do. Mm. And I think the reason it was so hard for me was I myself wasn't necessarily a happy, inspired, positive individual. Right? It's, you know, we're living in the midst of a global pandemic where there are so many countless people that do not have any opportunities. There are so many artists today that are watching this podcast that are starving. And here I was asked to do something hopeful when everything around me said despair. And again, this is all in my head too, right? That I myself was also going through uh, and still I'm going through a depression. And so to try to swim out of that depression <laughs> and paint positivity, oh, that was a journey. That was a climb up out of a hole. Mm. Interesting. I think for me, the difficulty like has a lot to do with, again, like what I mentioned earlier about I'm very tuned into like producing art as a service. Um, and 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 I, I usually don't have any uh, difficulty like pulling some kind of like a uh, 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 fictitious brief out of my ass um, if I if I need to, to just produce some personal work. But. I think um, again, putting all that aside and and trying to see what else is there, and and trying <laughs> to resist all the urges just to get it done, um, that that's been that's been. I mean, it, it's basically the confrontation of like, like, oh, what do you have anything to say or like, like do I have anything to say? Do you, is there anything? And and being confronted with the potential shallowness of myself um is scary mm. i don't know I, I leave that for other people to judge if i'm shallow or not right <laughs> yeah because I, I actually you know when it comes to jan i mean i i know you haven't really made a mm. lot of personal work you know i mean you know the, the you, like we're we're kind of a little bit of a, a, a opposites that way uh because i think for you it's just i asked you that you're like yeah i'm not just not really <laughs> like into that and but you you wanted mm -hmm. to work on your own film and stuff but, but you know that would have been your your personal work but you know i, I am you know is curious how you know all of a sudden now you have yeah, to create scary. personal work that that you know because of the lack of you know mm. expressing something like yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. brief you yeah, know that must be difficult, difficult right very difficult well also there's yeah. no measure or no there's there's nothing to measure it by right because on a job with a client you know a thumbs up or a thumbs down is like cool i, I did the job but who's controlling that thumb up or down mm. when you're doing something personal and to not have that soundboard or not to not have that feedback instantly uh, you like 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 Jan is saying you're, you're gonna have to face yourself because that's gonna be you at the, at the end of that day right and I think when you do something for a client um, 
you'll say, yeah, that's good enough. It hit the pitch. It, you know, I, I hit the target. I got close enough. Uh, good job. Well done. And the paycheck confirms that. And then the, the what that paycheck pays for in your life confirms that. And so you, 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 you see it working, right? But when it comes to personal work, I think there's this gigantic valley of death where you you might start something uh, that you're completely inspired by, but then have a gigantic chunk of that time spent making that where you're completely unsure if it's even going to be worth showing. You know, and then you have nothing giving you feedback if that's if that's valuable, if that's a good use of your time, right? And so you're in this sort of alien landscape all of a sudden when you're where you're not comfortable. Everything's very unfamiliar. Sometimes being out of that comfort zone is exactly, you know, the, the recipe for growth. You know, I, I found it for me at least because I've been this year has been super uncomfortable, but but I'm the better for it, at least for me. Um, and, and you know, I, I don't know for you guys. I mean, especially Jan, I mean, you know, have you. Are you finding that it's? I mean, I, I, are you done? Are you are you guys all done with the? Uh, yeah. What what is the status of the project? I, I saw the posters, yeah, the, but I don't know. It, I think it's in various stages. I think some of us are done. Some of us are not quite done yet. Um, so th there there we are, right? Um, How about I'm, you? I mean, are you? I'm, are you done? I'm, I'm are you working, working on it. On I'm not. It, I'm not know? fully done yet. Um, I'm still tinkering around on it, but um, it's 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 taking shape. It's taking shape. And you feel like you're growing from this, well, you know, like, like you passed the, 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 no, no, the no. scary, the scary part. part. I think is never going to go away. I think, I think one of the things that is just <laughs> like, and I don't know, it has to do with, uh, I mean, okay. Of, of course there's a whole different dimension to this, right? Like we talked about, like this is supposed to raise money for a hundred million mangroves, right? And um, it is part of it. And, and that comes on top of it. And, on, and then even like Seifel brought me into this. So I don't, want to disappoint him right and it's like there's there's multiple different levels stacked on top of this um but when it just purely comes yeah. to myself it's like y you i think i have certain expectations of what i want to do and and how i want it to look and and like you said like oh I, i'm thinking about like i don't know i want to make a short movie or whatever right and then you have certain ideas of how that's supposed to go and then this project is something else entirely again, I think. And, and, um, and it's, it's, I, I want, I want the, the, like, I don't necessarily have a goal with that journey. Of course, there's going to be a finished piece in the end, but where, where this journey of the creation takes me, I think I want it, I want it to lead the way as much as possible. And, um, I have to kind of this, like, I have to, how to say like i have to um um not try to steer it down any familiar path and and that's quite i think unusual and and i don't know where it's going to take me i i have no idea and and it, maybe i'm a little bit afraid it's going to lead mm. me down a way that i don't want to go but i think it's just whatever happens will happen and i think like cyphel's cyphel's serendipity will we'll take care of it to a certain extent and then we'll see where we are. And, and I don't, I don't no, know. It's like, it's like yeah. what you mentioned before, right? <laughs> so, and there, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no, you know, there's no pressure or expectation coming from me. I, I think 
you know, going to fine art galleries and, and, and looking at other artists' work that uh, that I that I admire, I think I've found time and time again that it's never about fidelity, crispness, uh, finish, medium. It's never about anything that we would find impressive as as uh, artists that that know the craft. It's always been about for me uh, a feeling of of intention behind the piece, right? It, it could literally be drawn on a napkin with ketchup, but if there was an intention behind it and I can feel it, I'm so much more engaged. And I, and I think, I think to create something like that, you have to reach in from a different source of inspiration that sometimes doesn't exist. You know, sometimes it's a muscle that that hasn't been exercised in years. And it's like, you know, not going to the gym for for a couple of years and suddenly going to the gym and saying, oh, I'm going to pick up the really heavy weight and, you know, because I'm a strong person. And then you go and you, <laughs> and you grab it and to pick it up. And then you realize you're, you're you're not you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as as visionary or as 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 spectacular as you expect to be. And 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 that becomes the, the the tug of war and the end result happens to be the art the end result of that battle and and, and i think that's what we're all experiencing here and, and i i'm pretty sure emmanuel you, you can you can speak volumes about this when it comes to personal work that it's it's really a, a dance with yourself yeah definitely uh, <laughs> it definitely is uh, it's 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 also a matter of how deep you're willing to go within yourself um, to find yourself. I mean, I think for me, working on the you know stuff that I've been working on lately, especially my own short, uh, you know, there there was a lot of digging involved. Uh, let's just say, um, and and it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, for me, I think the digger I deep, uh, the more the better the outcome, and and the more I feel better as a person. Um, personally so yeah i mean i think personal work is where it's at right now uh for me uh but i i actually wanted to ask um neil you know some of the some details you know like you know sure. you, you have uh, four artists you know so far right not one one two three three artists three uh, three for this first set yeah and then so so are they is it just uh you know like if Let's talk a little bit about what well, you know. Where where is? I know you said Open Sea. Uh, when when is it? You know, sort of. So, this we can talk about the program as it is now and where we see this going. Um, right now, we've got 15 posters on Open Sea. The films are going to be released um, on the Cosmos ecosystem. We're going to migrate. Um, that's in part because of who's collaborating with us, in part because I believe in that ecosystem, and in part because um, it, it, it has a much lighter footprint uh, than Ethereum does. And, and even after Ethereum goes to proof of stake, it'll still have a much lighter footprint. The, so we have Seifel and Jan and Filippo doing short films. And these films, our intention is for the films to be revealed as these NFTs are sold and resold. So the first purchaser may only get five frames of the entire film. Mm. And, the, and the next five 
frames of the film will not be revealed until they sell it to the next person. And mm-hmm. so these are films that will be revealed over time as they are sold and resold. And each time it's resold, a percentage of that will go into a nonprofit fund that we have, which will fund the tree planting that we're doing in our projects. And so the that's technologically very difficult. So we, we have an outfit um, of programmers called 11 Yellow, where their role in the project is just to design the smart contract and that NFT, which, which they are all, again, they are also donating their time and their skill and their energy um, to, to build the technology to allow that to happen because it, it's, it's quite difficult. Um, and there are not many people on the planet who would know how to do that with a smart contract. And so it's those three films, and the intention is we want them, we want them to be sold and resold um, until the, the whole thing is revealed, right? So that's the dynamic NFT part. And then the posters are just previews that allows us to build hype around the project, to build awareness around the project. Whoever buys these posters will get producer credit on the short films. So five, five people will buy the five posters for Seifel's film, which is called Manifest. Um, and those five people will be producers, named producers of the film. So they're getting producer credit. Um, and the, the um, and Jan mentioned the pressure of trying to raise a lot of money. This is not the only thing we're doing with this series, but the one of the beautiful things about NFTs is that every time it is resold, even if it's 10 years in the future, money will go from that purchase to our tree planting programs. And we're our 15-year goal at Regenerative Resources is to grow a billion mangroves. So there's no, there's no lack of demand. Um, there's no lack of space. But the fact that these are now assets that will indefinitely provide resources for the restoration of, of really important ecologies on the planet. I, th- I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I mean, I, you know, I, I honestly didn't know exactly uh, what this was about. I, you know, and then you know, yeah. and the, the interview and, and Jan telling me, uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, doing a little bit research on the side as you were talking just to, to see, you know, I'm definitely going to watch that video. Uh, mm. But I mean, I, I'm floored. I, I mean, I, you know, and I, I really appreciate that Saiful, you, one thing that speaks a lot uh, to me is that you actually proactively, you know, seeked out Neil to, to, you know, to do something. And, you know, most people don't do that. They'll watch and consume media, and then they go, "Well, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to the next thing." And you have the insight and the, uh, you know, to to see, you know, what this is worth, and to be moved by it. I think it's actually it moves me, and and I I really like, um, you know, I'm, you know, really like what you're doing. So that's that's that. I guess that's just what I'm saying. Um, if, if they were to go, I mean, they can just follow the poster. There's links to open C and, you know, the yep. project and all that. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so the, we, 
we just launched our new website. It's regenerativeresources.co. One of the pages on there is called The Harpoon, um, with the idea being that there are crypto whales out there and that we want to find them and catch them and get them involved in this stuff so that we have the resources necessary to do the work we want to do. Um, and so that's where our Web3 efforts are, are hosted is at the Harpoon. Um, I'm on, I find myself on Twitter quite a bit because that's where NFT marketing happens is on Twitter. Um, but beyond, beyond this particular project, we, we do want to make an invitation to, to the artists out there that if this is something you want to contribute to, there is a way to make that happen. Um, I, I don't want to limit this to Seifel and Jan and Filippo. I, I think, A, I need all the help I can get, but B, I know how fulfilling it can be to participate in healing the planet. Um, one of the most uh, sublime moments of my life was I woke up one morning and I worked, went to work and I saw a wild uh, swarm of bees on a tree that I had planted four years earlier. And um, I asked one of the men on my team who, who was local, he, he, he was a 65-year-old man in Rubshi, and I said, when was the last time you saw wild bees on this particular mountain? And he said, it's been 40 years. It's been decades. Wow. Um, and, and that is one of the most magical moments I have ever had. And I, part of what I want to do is, is make a way for that to happen for other people who aren't necessarily out on the ground, actually planting trees. Um, but to contribute to this kind of mission of, Hey, we can be good for the earth. We can heal the earth, um, and, and save ourselves in the process. Uh, the, it takes all types, and and that's what Seifel and Jan and Filippo are doing. That's the mission contributing to, and I would like to make that available to anyone who's inspired by, by that mission or would like to contribute. Um, and so that's that's part of where we see this going. One of Seifel's, <laughs> one of the things Seifel did about halfway through this was was he he named himself our our uh, artist in residence <laughs> where he was like hey i'm gonna be this for you guys all right and i'm like great we will absolutely take that but it's this isn't a closed program um because i think it's it's gonna take all of us to to help make that mission happen i'm just curious how much does it cost it to even plant a tree like like it depends but it's it's the tree planting is actually the easiest part mm. um before that happens that i should note that there are lots of wrong ways to plant a tree if you plant the wrong species in a particular place you can do a lot of damage um if you just go and plant trees in a random place it's likely people are going to come and cut them down um if if it's not integrated into the life ways of local people, if it's not integrated into the uh, ecosystems as they should be or into the hydrology of the place, 
there's a lot of failure that happens there. And so for before we do any tree planting, we have to, there's a lot of permit authorizations that need to happen. There's a lot of building relationships with local communities. We we spend at least 12 months with local communities in conversation around understanding what their needs are, understanding what the problems are that they face, understanding how they interact with land and with ecosystems. Um, and once you have a cohesive program, right, where it's integrated with local ecosystems, it's co-designed with local peoples, where certain that people aren't going to come cut it down because they see the value in leaving it up, um, then you can go and plant a tree. Mm, and so there, there's a huge amount of work that goes into doing this right. It's why we've been, that's what I've been doing for the last three years on these projects is getting that pre-development phase going. Um, but if you want a pithy answer, the the basic answer, once all that's done, it's about a dollar a tree for our projects. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, whoever's listening, uh, really listen and see this. This speaks to you, and you know, whether it's something you want to contribute to, whether, if you know, in the art sense, or or even in going and uh, uh, buying some NFTs uh, to support this yeah. project. Cool. Uh, yeah. And either one works. Um, and it is, it's it's the artists and the storytellers that I think we need to change the narrative. Um, and so I'm, I'm A, honored by Jan and Seifel and Filippo's gift. It, it is a gift of your energy and your time and your skill. And, um, and it's a gift that we're going to honor, but also one that is going to fund ecosystem restoration indefinitely. Right. Unless unless there's like nuclear war or another Krakatoa volcano or like an asteroid, as long as the digital world persists and this artwork is trading hands, it's going to fund ecosystem restoration. And I think that's super cool. Great. That's awesome. So I think we've we've reached quite a quite a good time here to to find some closing words. Um, I just wanted to ask if there's anything maybe Seifel, Neil, or Emmanuel wanted to say before we kind of uh, close out here? You're, you're sighing very heavily, Seifel. <laughs> I've noticed that that's what he does very often. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm a positive person. Uh, I've been called aggressively positive. Um, I'm going to take the words out of Neil's mouth here i uh, i remember a conversation we had where he was saying that uh, some of the world's elite believe that uh as 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 he a species uh we kind of fucked up that um you know this was human 1.0 and when i say this is i mean earth and that you know people are corrupt and the world is corrupt and uh, you can't get rid of evil and greed And uh, you know what? We should just go to Mars and and try again. We've got another chance. Let's call it 2.0. And uh, I'm all for that. I'm all for space travel. I've worked in the industry. I love SpaceX. I love Elon Musk. Um, 
but we're not screwed. Like, we're not fucking screwed. Look around you. Go outside. Stop looking at your phone all day. Turn off the damn news. And just breathe the air. And trust me, if you can just go for a walk, you're going to begin to get a little bit of more hope in your bloodstream. We're not screwed. Neil his organization, and the scientists behind this movement need our compassion. Fundamentally, they just need our compassion. And we just need to get out of their way so they can do their work. The planet can heal itself. And maybe we can use these systems of greed to benefit the very science that can enable the planet to do what it has done for millennia. We're not fucking screwed. And you can be a part of that. Uh, I yeah, I was just any, like, any better you've done all the work for me. That's, that's that. perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> no, that's really great. I think this, this has been a really, really great conversation. Um, you're going to find all the links, everything we talked about. Um, you're going to find it in the description of this video. Um, and just again, a big thank you to, to Neil and Seifel and of course, Emmanuel for taking the time um, and talk so openly, I think, and honestly about, about uh, um, this project we're doing and of course, the struggle that we've all been facing recently. So um, again, a big thank you. And I hope to the audience that you've got something out of it. Um, and uh, if you want to contribute to, to, to this project, in whatever form, if you want to maybe buy the NFTs or if you want to help spread the word, or even if you're an artist yourself and you feel like, hey, this is exactly what I've been looking for, um, feel free to reach out to Neil or Seifel or myself um, to get more information of how you can be involved and um, what's possible. So again, thank you all. And um, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.